Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. To say it was an interesting type of market day is really just barely the frosting on the cake. Whether you're on the grain or the livestock side, watching what happened with some limit up trade. And, and I know that we're not going to talk wheat, but who would have ever thought we'd have seen wheat uh, this early in the week at such high numbers that we have seen. Add that to that, the weather that's going on in South America. We're going to take a look at all the grain side of it. After we look at what's happened with the cattle, huge kills last week. We had some market struggles going on. Can we blame some of those market struggles on what's been happening on the grain complex? We'll find all that out as Brad Coima joins us. He is with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. So let's start there. Cattle saw huge kills last week, kind of set for an interesting tone for a Monday. Well, you're absolutely right, uh, Susan. I think it's well to bring up the kill data because um, this is, in fact, uh, you know, don't quote me for sure, but I'm almost certain this is the biggest kill in, I think, about 14 months uh, for the week. Um, obviously, the packer is highly incentivized to kill cattle when you're making uh, the, the the kind of money they're making on cattle, which is a lot, um, six, seven, eight, some suggest maybe as much as $900 a head. Um, of course, they're going to kill as many as they can get the labor there to show up to work. Um the the uh, kill, of course, is, is somewhat also accelerated, I think, by a mood on the part of feed yards that with the cost of gain uh, spiraling higher here, uh, that the cost of gain is, is, is significantly more than they're getting paid to put a pound of, of, of meat on the cattle, and, and they can't wait to sell them. Uh, that becomes particularly a problem in the south where an awful lot of the cattle are turned in and, uh, you know, kind of... Um, uh, um, not exactly marketed like we do in the north to the packer, uh, and so I just I just worry that you're, it's going to be hard to get much leverage in terms of the feedlot here uh, when everybody has got such a high anxiety level to just get cattle dead because of the cost of gain. It's going to be a little tricky for a minute, I'm afraid. Well, having said that, I mean, how long can we expect this? Is this going to be just a a week, week and a half blip, or is this something that's going to take us into to mid or mid May? Uh, uh, it's a good question. It's a hard question. Um, you know, for me, it seems like things always take twice as long as you think that they ought to. You know, um, it it it. I'd be hard pressed to not think that we aren't going to struggle here for maybe up to a month um, if we continue to, you know, just offload cattle. I know there's some packers up here in the north that already bought all the way out until the last week of May. Um, you know, clearly they're not going to have to try very hard, but they're not the only game in town either. So <clears throat> I hope I'm wrong, but I would be worried that, uh, you know, to take significant weight off and grade, which I believe is what's going to happen next, it probably is going to take, um, you know, a month or so. Is there some that doesn't mean that it necessarily has to go to nothing, though, either. I mean, come on, uh, you know, how do you not, you know, have a packer that's got these kind of margins with boxes at 284 and they're going to buy cattle at 190. I mean, I, I, I don't want to. I'm on the I'm on the producer side here, obviously. So let's see if we can't advocate for a little fairer pricing. And the fact that we are moving into the month of May and and getting towards Mother's Day, as you and I have talked in in previous episodes, and just the summer grilling season in, in general, we should see that big pickup in demand. Demand is at its best right now, uh, and. Um, just look how good it was even before this. Uh, you know, you've got all this pent-up COVID demand out there. Uh, people can't wait to go back to a restaurant and eat a steak. 
Uh, you've got the grilling season going in full swing, and like you mentioned, that the number one beef uh, feature weekend is Mother's Day. So, um, yes, it's not the demand that's a problem here. Uh, what we got to do is work through a little bit of supply to get a little more leverage back in the producer's hands and or have less captive supply uh, so that maybe we can be a little more tougher negotiating uh, and, and get the packer to share some of the profits that they're getting. So was there some long-tailed cats in a rocking chair factory worries when we looked at the grain prices today from a cattle perspective? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting, yeah, yeah I would say uh, panic maybe was the word <laughs> that comes to mind that, that I was sensing on my side of the phone. Yeah, you know, it's hard to, you know, you can say, well, you know, you should lock up all your corn and yada, yada. Well, yeah, you, can, you know, my father used to say you can see a dog's rear end best from behind, right? I mean, you know, very, very few that, you know, necessarily have 100% of their feed needs. Uh, and, you know, when you start to freak out and panic a little bit, I think that the end user, whether it's the feedlot, whether it's a, what's the, whether it's a uh, ethanol uh, uh, plant or, or, you know, anyone that's, that, that needs to, to be an end user of it, I think the last week or so here has been, they've really been prompted to, to get scared and get something done. I, you know, I come back to the corn thing is, if you'd have told me that we were going to test this big gap on the weekly chart at 684 and three quarters, that's where it's at, okay, 684. The, <clears throat> I'd have said, huh, so it's the 4th of July and we're having a drought. That's when I thought we would do this. I did not dream that we would do this in April. Um, last time I checked, you can't lose a crop in April, you know, so... You know, we've, we've beat this. It's dry in Brazil drum for a long time in here. Uh, very, very, very strong markets. I'm happy for everybody that's involved. Let's see what the market does at that 685. Let's see what happens here with basis and with spreads. Neither one of those two show any signs of backing down. The basis continues to get stronger and stronger. And as these forward spreads continue, both those things are, you know, things that you want to be, you know, that, that would tell you that, okay, looks like we're still in this, you know, this, uh, this explosive bull market. So I guess, you know, try to just ride this thing until, until she bucks you off. I do tell my producers to be a little sensitive to new crop pricing. Um, you've got opportunity here, even with options and new crop corn and beans, both to do something that you haven't been able to do here for the last four years. All right, sounds good. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk about this cash hog market. We saw some cash come in strong. How is the hog market? Is it roaring back like we expect, and is it the chance of getting toppy? And as you just heard, talking about some weather issues, we'll look at that as well from a grain perspective. As more comes up on this Monday edition, it is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue this conversation with Brad Coima. Brad is with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. We left off talking cattle. Time to switch back to the hogs. As we look at things, are they roaring back like you thought they would? The hog continues to be impressive. Um, you know, I guess I thought with the strength in the cash, uh, with the cutout value, you know, where it's at, that, you know, I, I guess I thought, too, that the hog thing would probably, they'd have a hard time really breaking the market. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a fun day today, I thought, where, once again, it's lower early, and then, you know, it's almost like almost like that analogy when you try to hold a beach ball underwater. You know, it, it works for a while, and slowly you lose its grip, and then, poop, it's, you know, it pop, it's above the water, right? You know, and, and that's how the market traded again today. Um you know, we still have in the June hog chart that big day reversal down day from 110. 
Um, and I still think that that's, I don't know, I think everybody's going to trade against that. So let's see if we get up to that level to test of how the market handles itself. I do expect that we will get that far. Um, I, I, you know, you're, you, in terms of the fundamental side of the market, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're, you're actually just now starting to get into the tighter numbers, frankly, uh, that were created. And I still continue to hear this hard time occupying pig spaces where lots of places are waiting two, three, four weeks to, to get repopulated with feeder pigs. Uh, the, the value of feeder pigs is super, super high. I would tell you that, you know, that's the tightness of supply. So, you know, I know we'll finally run out of gas here, but it, it doesn't feel like it's this afternoon yet to me. So can that be part of the blame uh, on the positive side that we're seeing some stronger numbers when it comes to cash? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I think for the first time in a while you've had, you know, situations where you've got packers calling around uh, actually trying to procure hogs. I mean, this is this is throwback day, Susan. I mean, this hog thing has been, well, schedule me for two weeks from Thursday and tell me later what you gave me for your hogs. I mean, that's the way this scheduling, this hog thing has been for years. Uh, but now all of a sudden we've got this, the, 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 the dog has run to the end of the chain for a minute here, and they have to actually fight for a few hogs. And you can see what happens to cash markets then uh, when that happens. I wish we'd get a little of that over in my cattle market once again. Is there fears that we could get too toppy and come down pretty hard? Up on the stairs, down on the elevator is a, a post-it note that stuck to my, underneath my desk here. Um, uh, sure, you know, I mean, uh, unfortunately... Uh, that's the problem that a hedger has. If you don't scale sell on the way up, um, you know, saying that, well, I'll wait for it to turn around and then I'll sell it when it starts to break. I, good luck with that. My experience would tell me that that very seldom happens. Let's jump over to the livestock, or excuse me, the grain side of the complex. And you were talked about in the first half what's been going on with this weather and, and South America. There is some nervousness as it hits pollination stage. Yeah, it there it is. I, I say a bit tongue-in-cheek with this dryness in Brazil because, I mean, I'll be honest, we've not been talking about this for, like, months, uh, it seems like, but um, there's an area there that double crops corn. That area, the, the second, uh, that, that second crop is almost 100% export of, exported, okay? Um, and that's the one where the window's closing quicker and quicker on, um, you know, the, whether they realistically have enough time to make a crop. That's what they're saying anyway. Um, so that and then, then the new forecast for, for Brazil this morning was was uh, basically hot and dry. They got a 12-day outlook and uh, looks like almost no chance of, of precip in that window either. Obviously, it's weather, so it's subject to change. So, so that was the big catalyst there. The other thing I think that the weather story was today, Susan, was we actually got a little bit of uh, commentary in the market um, relative to the uh, U.S. Corn Belt's weather. Um, uh, what was kind of advertised as maybe being a pretty big moisture event this weekend uh, turned into, uh, I don't know what you got, but uh, it was kind of a two-tenths endeavor, right? And, uh, uh, you know, so some of the, the naysayers are going like, eh, well, that's what happens when you have a drought, right? You know, they predict rain and you don't get anything. Um, so I think that that, you know, that, that not less than perfect conditions in the, in, in the United States as well is what, what uh, got prompted the, the big move today. Are the funds, we got some long positions going on for them? giant um <clears throat> approaching on the corn levels uh record levels not quite there um uh, clearly um if you can uh figure out when they're going to change uh, you you wouldn't need to talk to an analyst um now one thing i would admonish a little bit is that you know to try to outsmart the funds is is very very difficult 
I would much rather join them than fight them. Um, so the fund community is still largely long, uh, and uh, they're a bit of a self-fulfilling thing too because as they make more money, they have more money to spend on buying more. So uh, it looks like uh, that trend is still very much intact. All right, sounds good, Brad. Uh, real quick, what's the one market you're going to watch in this week? <laughs> For me, I'm, I'm a cattle guy. Um, but if, if, I was to, if I was a green guy, the one thing that I would want to, and yeah, I am a green guy. So, folks, keep in mind there's a couple things you can watch here a little bit. One would be basis on the corn. If that starts to weaken, it hasn't yet. The next thing is the spreads on the corn. Be watching. All right, sounds good. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? Call us, 800-358-3047. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.